Welcome back to the A to Z podcast. It's quarantine day 9017. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. You can find us at facebook.com slash A to Z podcast at A to Z podcast.com all over social media at Dre Knott at Akron Jackson. Shouts as always to our longtime sponsors, Seeing the Honeymoon Grill and American Fireworks there in Hudson. They're always open at AmericanFireworks.com. I was on the website earlier. There's coupons for when you buy online. Uh, there's coupons if you for when the store reopens. They'll do your uh, gender reveals. And since everyone is living on Instagram these days, Dre, some fireworks might spice up your videos and get you those clicks that you so desire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get them likes, baby. Get them hearts. Whatever the hell they are on on. Uh, Instagram. Happy, uh, like you said, four thousandth day of the quarantine. Um, man, I, I'm gonna just come right out flat out and say it. I know competition is down around most of America. We don't have sports the way we're used to having sports, and we're watching games from before we were born, and games our daddies told us about. Games that were Super Bowls, and we told our parents we were going to one place, and we probably ended up somewhere else. Or Michigan <laughs> Ohio State games where people were throwing sex parties. Who knows what you've been doing in the past in your life? And now you get to see games of what really happened. But... Hey, my mom listens to this show, dude. Come on. <laughs> I'm only saying this because I really started this with an idea of what I wanted to talk about. Because um, I just got to get it out. Because we're recording this podcast about 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, I believe that's what day it is. And my kid, we just put my kids to bed. And... And I mean, this is short background on my family. My wife played soccer through college. I played sports up until I got, you know, we both were decent athletes, competitors, blah, blah, blah. Um, Very competitive. And our kids have taken, and I mean, I'm competitive about stupid stuff. So it's dumb, you know, and it's part of my fault, but so is my wife. To the point that when we flew home from our, um, what's the vacation you go on after your wedding? You get married? Your honeymoon? (laughs) Honeymoon, yeah. Honeymoon? Should I have a brought? Honeymoon. I mean, we didn't do that. Should have had a brown game to cover the next week after we got married. So after we came back from our honeymoon, we actually played a card game on the on the way back, the flight back um, from Jamaica, and it got so heated, uh, and we and I got so mean, and she we both got so mean to each other that we agreed at the end of the flight to never play cards against each other one on one ever again. <laughs> and for ten and for ten years, we've stuck to that. Like we'll play sports with other, you know, we'll play cards with other couples, other people, with our friends, family. But we won't play one-on-one. Now that this has happened, though, somehow or another this year, before even probably when we went back to Jamaica, we finally have allowed ourselves to play cards against each other again, Uh, probably because 10 years of – I can piss her off away but so much other stuff that doesn't matter about cards anymore. (laughs) But the reason I tell all this story is when we got back from Arizona and everything was shut down, Jen is very meticulous with our kids and planning stuff out. I'm just like – I wake up, roll out of bed, put on sweatpants, and I'm like – you guys want to eat meatloaf for breakfast? Cool. You want to eat pizza for breakfast? Cool. Whatever the hell you want to do, you can do. Let's do it. But Jen came up with the idea that, you know, we should have, like, game night every night with the kids because I'm never home. It's tough to put them in the bed during the spring and fall or in the spring and summer. So, you know, I thought it was a great idea. So, we, you know, between board games, card games, we try to play with the kids. And we got back from Arizona, and the first night it was kind of fun. Because the kids were, we were all happy to be home. And then the second night, we remember why we stopped playing, playing board games or games with the kids and ourselves because our kids are just like us. And for the second night in, we were playing the game Trouble. I don't know how many people have ever played it, but basically, you know, there's a, like a bubble in the middle. You pop it, it hits a number. 
Uh, and that's how many times you can advance in the game. I'm going quickly with it because I don't want to make this whole story that. <laughs> and my daughter just is – my daughter is like – she is athletic. She is competitive, but she's just in the books and, and doing other shit. She's artistic. So she's like her competitive angle is way different than, than the, the jock one that I have and my son has. And so she doesn't really like playing the game because it doesn't do much for her. It's just hitting this bubble. But everybody else is playing, so she was playing. And she couldn't – you got to get a six to get out. And she was the last one to get one. And she literally took her hand and hit the bubble, this plastic bubble, as hard as you could, broke the board game, smashed pieces everywhere, walked off second night. And I, I sat back and, and said it to myself, holy shit. Jen <laughs> 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 didn't react that way at all. Um, and we probably had to stay up all night with her trying to figure out how not to get her daughter to react that way and do things where I'm just going, she's competitive. She don't like losing. She don't like being last. She didn't want to play. That's what she does. So we got her to play a couple more times and we would play other games and we had a couple other issues. So we stopped like, you know, after that, so we were like, eh, we'll, we'll find other stuff to do with the kids. So this week, Jim was back on the hammer. We need to go back to having game night. And she was like, we're going to do it. We're going to, you know, we, we actually do yoga in the morning before the kids do school. And then your kids yoga, I barely do it. I'm usually scratching my stomach trying to debate whether I should shower or just put on the same sweatpants from yesterday. Um, and so we get back to it, played a couple games, and there's this Monopoly game that it's like, you know, it's a junior Monopoly, but it's a baseball uh, Monopoly game that some, one of our family members gave us for Christmas. And it's been really cool because the kids have figured out how to do the banking and all that other stuff. And last night we get back to that game and Bella once again was like, dad, I don't want to play this game. It takes too long. And I don't like, and it just takes too long. And I don't like how it goes. I'd rather do something else. I was like, Bella, we're having game week. It's cool. I go, just, I go, just play. I go, you'll probably win. She goes, only if I get to bank. I was like, you can be the banker. That's fine. So AJ, who is ultra competitive, ultra, ultra competitive about everything. Um, I mean, to, to a fault, it's bad. He's me. He's me times 10. It's scared. It's scared. So he is gung-ho about the game. He takes the Chicago Cubs, like, their nameplate because he knows it pisses off his mom and his dad because we hate the Cubs. And he knows the Cubs beat the Indians in the World Series. And rather than beat the Indians because he knows everybody else in the family likes them, he goes to the team that he knows everybody hates. And then he wants to beat you with them. That's my <laughs> So... Um, so he, you know, the game starts, this is last night, this is 24 hours ago. So the game starts, AJ gets the lead, he gets, you know, he gets like the designated hitter or the pitcher or whatever else, and Bella finally gets in the game, and she's got one of the weakest properties you could have. And there's the card on the Monopoly board um, where you can flip it over, and it says you can trade cards with anybody at the table, right? And before Isabella can even finished reading the card and he says oh i can trade she looks across and aj goes you better not take my card and she smiles and goes yep i'm trading with you and before she could actually go to grab it he jimmy superfly snooker got up and like jumped on top of her and just started wailing on her and, and, I, and once again being mr dad i started chuckling at first then i realized i gotta pick this shit up <laughs> And I break it up and I grab him and he's so mad. And like, and I get him off of her and, he, and she's laughing. And of course, because you know, they're brother or sister, she's antagonizing, laughing at him, but I'm still taking it. <laughs> like, and he grabs and he punches and he's so mad that he's like crying mad. And he smacks me in the eye. And then he went to bite me because he wanted to get me off of him. And I was like, and then that's when I had to grab him. I was like, Hey man, chill out. 
And he's like, I'm sick of her always cheating me and playing me like this. I ain't playing with none of y'all. Takes the board, flips it all up in the air, runs to his room, closes the door, and cries. And I'm not, not putting him down in any way, shape, or form because I got it. So, long story short, game day is over uh, at the Matt House for a while. Well, <laughs> not only do I think that he looks a little like a young Jimmy Snooker, <laughs> but. I think a lot of people, Drake, could probably relate um, right now getting yeah. out those old board games and then them turning into brawls, too. I right. Think. Right. I mean, and not just people I, with young kids either. No, no. No, we've got it at nighttime, too. We play like cards online with friends. And, you know, that's the, the new thing that everybody's doing. Same thing. One night we're all drinking, we're all, you know, we're all at home and we're playing spades and, like, and we're not supposed to be talking. And I'm looking at Jen and I'm like, why do you keep playing that card? And there's people that, like, we're, like, playing my sister or somebody or her, her brother. And they're like, hey, no table talk. And I was like, hey, table talk. I want you guys to hear. Quit playing that damn stupid card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's normal yeah, so here like it is everywhere else is my point. <laughs> you also mentioned, like, not knowing what day of the week it is. Um, there are two reasons that I know today. One is, is because as we record this, it's one week exactly till the start of the NFL draft, which is on a Thursday. Ooh. Um, Ooh. But the other reason I know is, is I just I had to give it some thought earlier because I had to take some trash out, and I was like, "Well, Friday morning is trash morning, so I'll do this." So, so for like today and tomorrow, I'll know what day it is. But every morning when right. I wake up, man, it's like you have to do the math on everything, right? It's yes. like yes. what. Where am I? What is this really still going on? What day is it? And where is it that I'm supposed to be other than stuffing my fat face in the kitchen, which I'll be doing in 30 seconds? So, right. Well, Zach, I want to, it's gotten to the point with me. I want you to look at our calendar in our kitchen and our our calendar has like the baseball schedule on it and everything else. Yeah. And it's almost like so deflating to even look at it. I don't want to even look at the calendar. I don't want to know. And that's weird because. In any other time in my life, I know exactly what day it is, where we're going to be next. You know, like in baseball, and I know we all have this, but for me, this time of the year, very different from you, like I'm getting into that rhythm of, okay, I got to go on a six-day road trip starting Friday. You know, right. and it's, so it's like you got to – so I got to think out things like clothes, bills paid, having cash, actual cash in your – you know what I mean? Just like stupid. And like now all of a sudden I'm like, I haven't left the house in like nine days, <laughs> ten days. You know, like right. – you know, like, so it's it's so awkward that I won't even look at a calendar. Maybe that plays into me not having any idea what day or time <laughs> it ever is now. So I, I actually made a note of this. Um, this was a, a week or so ago, a week and a half. Again, going back to what day is it? Who knows? But it was on one of the one of these websites where it was this you know this day in history type thing. Right. And I actually made note of it on a scrap paper. And little, anyway, long story short, a little bit ago. I I got a phone call for work and I grabbed that paper and I saw this so I wanted to bring this up. It was 31 years ago last week that the movie Major League was released. Wow, 31 and, years ago. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're old as dirt, but I'm not a movie mm-hmm. watcher and I know you're really not either, but that one, nope. you know, I think to to people of a certain age, especially here because it was the Indians involved, you know, and just some of the classic lines, I remember that. And I was trying to think so in the spring of 1989, I would have been nine years old. And I don't remember Ooh. where, but I'm going to guess it was either at Chapel Hills uh, Movies or Rolling Acres. My mom yep. took me to that movie. And in the scene where they they you know, they you take the owner and they, the P 
piece of her clothing comes off, whichever with every win as yeah. they're chasing the pennant yeah. there at the end. Yeah. Like I said, I don't remember where, and and really, I only remember the classic lines from the movies because you've seen it so many times since, and like your friends say them to this day, right? But right. I remember that my mom, I vividly remember my mom closing my covering my eyes in the theater during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cuss with something right now. There's something I want to tell so bad, but I don't know if I can or tell it or should tell it. Uh, this doesn't happen in this podcast very much. Did we have a recreation? You know yeah, <laughs> we did. Um, since this, I'll just say I won't say any names. So it, that bit got that was that bit was recreated by a team in your favorite hometown, and it almost worked. And if it would have worked, it would have been one of my main stories that night after game seven. Anyways, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that, just... I mean that movie is a classic. That movie is a – you know what? Yeah. Like, even um, even in spring training this year, it's crazy because it wasn't a Roger. I saw somebody, like, at a spring training game. And I don't even you – know, the Indians were playing San Diego, and I was with my dad. And we were at the game, and my dad was like, somebody's got a Roger Dorn jersey. You know, like, you see the 99 all the time. Yeah. Everybody wears the wild thing. But the Roger Dorn, like you're right, the scenes. And now that you say something, and this is crazy because as we watch stuff with kids or listen to certain music with kids, you're like, like, you're like, man, is that? Do they get that joke? Do they know why that joke's funny? But like, I was 11 or 12 when this when Major League came out, and I can remember the scene where Charlie Sheen goes over Roger Dorn's house, and you kind of, and you know, you don't, you know, they're screwing each other, you know, like you like you know, but you don't know because you're 11, and like. <laughs> And like, and to think like now, like that scene happens, and I'm just like, oh, no big deal. But you know, when you're preteen, that was that was a little risque. Um, so yeah, and, and, and it's 31 years. And while we're talking movies, man, I feel like we're a radio show just trying to fill time, but we're not because we actually. Well, right, but but I, I want to say this: it's such a classic that last summer. Long story short, I can't take the time to explain my friend Pat on this podcast, or we'll be here for three hours. Oh no! But no, yeah, he he is a big Indians fan, and he's a big fan of that movie. And he was having a baby last summer. The sister was trying to throw him a party. And they were having Roger Dorn bobblehead night at Canal Park. I call them the arrows, but yeah. I realize it's the it's the rubber ducks. So we decided we would go. Well, we were so naive to the fact that everybody out that, that it's such a big hit. For well, there was nowhere to park in downtown Akron. Now that that's partly because of the construction. But three right. hours before the gates opened, Dre, the line, because only the first 1,000 or 2,000 got the bobbleheads, the line was wrapped all the way around the ballpark. Like, I had to walk two miles away, and halfway right. in to the bar, there were already people dressed in Major League gear lined up for this bobblehead on a Saturday in July in 2019. Right. So, Wow. I don't know what that says know, about them or about me, <laughs> but it says the movie has some staying power. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's well, that's that, is, that. I get it, and that's because like you go to the we did the, they did the major league thing in Milwaukee a couple of years ago when the Indians were there, and I remember like almost jealous of how cool it was. They made like all the everything that went on in the jumbotron and like. Between innings, I think they had a bobblehead that went along with it. That was unbelievable. Well, because they used thinking, County Stadium we... to shoot it. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And yeah. their play-by-play guy is is, is, is Doyle, um, Bill, Bob Uecker, who yeah. is the most tremendous person in my life. And not not my life. In my like, just like you know how you see somebody on TV or you see somebody in a movie. And for me, Bob Uecker was like I didn't even like when that movie first started. I didn't know Bob Uecker played. Bob Uecker was really a play-by-play guy. 
I kind of knew him from the Miller Lite, right. you know, commercials or whatever else. But once again, we're 11 years old, 12 years old. And to get to the point, and then he was like a Mr. Didn't he have a TV show, a, a terrible sitcom? Not Mr. Belvedere. Was it Mr. Belvedere? Mm. I'm sure the tweets will be the tweets It will sounds be right. Up. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. So I knew him from that, and I knew him from the movie. And then I didn't even know he was a terrible baseball player, but a great announcer. Well, Rick Manning knows him really well because Rick Manning played in Milwaukee. He's a Milwaukee play-by-play guy. And they're kind of the same type of dude. They like, which is the type of guy that you and I are. They like to have some Miller Lights. He is like he's better than the character once that you see in the movie. I don't even know how, if that's even fair to say. Like he really is. So that movie is really cool. It ages us. And as we had this conversation, I think that's the thing. And I'm gonna ask you this before we really start talking. I think that's what I miss. I miss a lot of stuff about working right now in baseball. And I know everybody has kind of misses something right now. Um, and I didn't, this didn't hit me until I did radio the other night. I think I miss more than anything else just being around like 15 minutes sitting with Bob Uecker and, and hearing him and oh, Rick yeah. Manning bullshit. For him, sure. him and Rick Manning bullshit. Like I get to like, and I know and it's not a bragging thing. It's just something I miss. Like I have some cool ass conversations with people I grew up just like not emulating, but grew up like thinking you would never meet them. And then we text and we tell jokes. And that guy that the, the big the black dude that everybody has seen his uh, private part that he did the weather in Chicago yesterday. Like I get something like that and I got to send it to Manning and Manning dies. <laughs> <laughs> you just casually uh, mentioned that guy and you're right back to Rick Manning <laughs> and Bobby Uecker. <laughs> hey man, that guy, that guy may be like the hit of the last like three months. And I've never, can't believe I've read so much about that guy and know so much and rest his soul. He ain't even alive no more. Um, what a meme. What a year. Well, what a year. <laughs> two, two things to close the major league conversation. One, I used the California Penal League quote on a podcast about a month ago. Remember that? Yes, you <laughs> so did. So that yes, still lives. Did. And two, I'll close the conversation with this. Nice catch, Hayes. Don't ever fucking do it again. I mean, just an all-timer. Yeah. An all-time, yeah. all-timer. And got to say it. All right. Um, well, all right. One more. I got one more story for you. <laughs> the family one. We're talking movies. I got I to gotta troll Trolls movies. Because we're in this this situation that we're all in, the movie was supposed to come out last Friday, and they let you buy. I mean, they let you. They're probably going to be the most sold. They're probably going to get the biggest numbers ever for a movie, um, if you count all the rentals, because you can rent it at home right now. We rented it, and we were able to rent it. And when you rent it, it was like twenty bucks, I think, and you had it for like forty eight hours. Do you know my kids made me watch that shit four times? <laughs> Thank God it was halfway decent. I didn't mind it. I don't ever watch movies any of any sort of any kind at this point in my life. Um, we watched a movie four times in 48 hours. Now, I didn't watch them all the way through all four times. Like, but that's how, and my kids really don't watch movies. But it was a good movie, and the music's been great in it. So that's the other way we've gotten through these last four or five days. So, um, yeah, I, I did, I've, the only thing I bought from Amazon lately was that bunny suit. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, um, after looking at some pictures, that was a scary sight, bro. <laughs> I, I want to start our NFL draft conversation with a little bit more, I guess, more American Fireworks Glory Days. Um, again, in the Wayback Machine. And I, and I was scanning Twitter here uh, while I was waiting for you to call to get this going. 20 years ago, oh no, 23 years ago today, the Raiders used a first-round pick on Sebastian Janikowski. And, wow, and the guy was a weapon thing. for a long time. I don't know if he'll be a yeah. Hall of Famer or not. There's there's no sense in arguing it right now. That, that's not the point. 
My point is, if that were to happen today, a team would take a kicker in the first round in the Twitter age. I mean, I, I think that GM would not survive the night because I, I really think that people right. would allow themselves to get so enraged that I think that the ownership would have to fire everybody immediately. But, look, but, but, all right, but wait, 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 wait. I'm glad you just said that. And I'm glad we're a week away from the draft. What does that say more about who we are as people than anything else? Like, Al Davis did that. Al Davis did it. And it was and it was questioned. Didn't Al Davis? He selected a punter, I think. He's a guy. He picked him real early, too, at one time. Um, I guess I want to talk more about people, though. You're right. If somebody does that next Thursday, all hell will break loose because of social media, and it'll make some team overreact and do something stupid. If you really believe in the draft pick that you make, fuck it, you make it. Who cares what people are saying on, on, on social media? Sebastian Janikowski would not have been my first pick 23 years ago, but at the end of the day, for what Sebastian Janikowski gave the Raiders, and when you think about the longevity or lack of longevity of any player that you draft in a draft, um, it turned out it was kind of like the Ryan Pompeon draft pick by the Browns. It was the fifth round, and we all laughed at that. Well, for his production and how long he was able to stay and his longevity, even though he got the yips at the end, that ended up being one of Bush Davis's best draft picks. And if if the guy that is making a call this year drafts a long snapper in the fifth round next week or next weekend, you'll probably have everybody hit. I mean, they did it about the kicker last year. I guess my point is, hey, this is this guy's job. They screw it up. We'll have plenty of time to mock them and make fun of them. I mean, the fact that you just said it was one of Butch Davis's dra- best draft picks and that you're absolutely 100% fucking right is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, true, though. it was 17 years ago. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what? How, how many deep do you have to go on a list of New Browns draft picks before he's on it? It probably doesn't right. crack top 20, but it cracks top 30. If you, if you think about wow. value to the team. Longevity, success, production with the team, right? Right. I mean, right. I mean, the first Pro Bowler drafted by the new Cleveland Browns was Ryan Pontbriand, Rice University. Unbelievable. The first Wasn't guy to go to the Pro Bowl Wasn't representing the Browns who was yeah. drafted by the Browns is Ryan Pontbriand. Wasn't he surprised? That he got drafted, that he like wasn't he playing cards like his wife and her girlfriend and mom, and the phone rang and it was kind of like really me. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that part. It's something like that. It's something like that. I mean, this is the, the fireworks part of the segment, so we can do that. And there were a lot of people that got there were a lot of people that got off of the Jeremiah Farms uh, conversation in the last podcast. They can be really dig they can be really dig deep for another good name to give you this week or uh, on this second one. Um, but I don't think Jeremiah Farms very often. There is somebody I'll make up as we keep going. We always tell the story about Ben Gay. Everybody knows Ben Gay stuff. How about uh, give us the Sean Thompson story? West Texas A and M. Oh, Sean Thompson story. Well, there's a few that aren't repeatable. Um, <laughs> oh well, I've told the one on the podcast before, so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got to have several drinks before I tell this the right way, but. <laughs> Sean, Sean had West Texas A&M. He had a deep Texas accent. He talked yeah. fast, and he had a deep Texas accent. So even when Sean knew what he was saying, you know, it was hard to keep up with, right? I'm not really – I'm not being vicious no, with that. It's just, it's just facts, right? And that, I right. feel like I'm doing a much better impression if I've had several drinks, and, I, and I've had zero drinks, unfortunately. 
But when Sean was a rookie or a second-year player, they took Sean and a couple of other guys to this community event to talk to some youth football players. Do you know what story this is, Dre? I think I do. <laughs> so, you know, they, they – I, I was there – uh, you know, I want to say it was Glenville Youth Football. It, it was over towards towards that part of town. There was, you know, 90 kids, 120 kids, and all gathered around. And, you know, the players wore their jerseys as they always did. And they're all excited. So the first player says, you know, hey, guys, uh, glad to be here. Just want to say, you know, work hard and, and chase your dreams. And, you know, even if you don't make it in football, hard work, you'll never forget. Right? So. Right. Second player comes up and says, hey, guys, you know, the most important thing is to listen to your coaches and your parents. Even though it doesn't feel like it, sometimes they support you. They're pushing you. That's a good thing. you got to push yourself, and, you know, we appreciate your support. And the third guy kind of says the same thing. You know, guys, if, if you get good grades and, and you work hard at football, you, you can chase all your dreams. Now it's time for Sean to talk. <laughs> Sean comes up, and he said, well – Football, you know, you gotta get hype when you play football. It's mean, it's vicious. You gotta get hype. It's like it's like game day comes and it's like fuck shit. You gotta go. I mean, you gotta fucking go. Those guys are trying to fucking kill you out there. You gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted. Yes. <laughs> and he's so nice. So nice that he has no idea that he shouldn't be telling these kids that they got to fucking kill or be fucking killed out there. But he's telling them that yeah. exact thing. Yeah. Oh. oh, it was priceless. It was priceless because that's exactly how it went. Like it, 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 oh. and, that, and to it, tell you the truth, I'm not sure that cracks the top two Sean stories that I actually have, but that's the one I'm going to tell for this podcast. Right. I always felt like, and this, like, this sums up the Browns of that era. I always felt bad for guys like Sean Thompson because you knew there was something there, but because of where he was drafted, because of the situation with the team, he had zero chance of being successful. Yeah. Of, you know, like becoming the player that when they were drafted, you thought they would be. I think this is a good way to talk about the draft because a lot of times you can draft someone that's talented, that's fast, that's smart, that's not smart, any of the above. If you don't draft them into the right situation and, and let, know how to cultivate them the right way, they got no chance of being successful. Yeah. Especially first round picks. Especially, you know, for, I think the first two days picks, first and second round. Because let's be honest, and it goes into what you're saying about drafting Sebastian Janikowski, number one overall. We have an expectation when we see you draft a Thursday night, right? Mm -hmm. There's an expectation that you're going to come in and be a game changer, a playmaker. You're going to be the best, you know, whatever the position we're at. We, we instantly, if it's a tight end, we're going we're gonna to put you up against Ozzie Newsom. If it's, a, you know, if it's an outside linebacker, uh, Jameer Miller. <laughs> like, you know, like you just, we put an expectation on guys because of where they're drafted when 90% of the time it's going to be very difficult to get there unless the situation's just right. Joe Thomas's situation, just right. Especially when you realize that we didn't end up taking the quarterback from LSU that was from Mobile, Alabama and could have ruined us. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Al Davis, for that one. <laughs> so, Sean Thompson had a seven year career, 98 games. I mean, you said it right. He was what he was. He was a speed spot linebacker and special teams guy. If he gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round, he has a people say he's a real successful NFL career. The Browns draft right. him in the second round. He doesn't have a position. He's jumping from a winless Division two team to the NFL. You know, it, it's judged that way. You're right. I mean, he he starts 38 of 90 games. After his second year, he only starts two games ever. So he was what he was. He was wow. a backup. 
he was a backup. And that's okay. And if, but, if, if, if you, get you know what, Jerry? You know what he did okay. for 98 NFL Sundays? I mean, fuck shit. He got hype. <laughs> <laughs> he can't go shit. <laughs> but, like, that's what I think ago. That's what I think, like, for the draft. And I guess, I guess when, you know, I look, when I look at this, and, I, like, and I used to get way more excited for drafts, and I'll admit what we've done has, has worked. It's kind of jaded some of those things. Like, for me, the draft is always, I used to get real excited. And then, like, I think the bingo, um, uh, what was it? Um, what was it? Bingo's last name? Or, um, oh, I can't. The kid from LSU linebacker. Uh, uh, or, uh, oh, Mingo. Yeah, Barkevius Mingo. Yeah, yeah. Barkevius. Where the hell did you come up with this I, Bingo? I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I ain't working. What do you expect? I'm off. Um, I think when he was drafted, I, and then I remember I met him. I think it like all hit me one day. I was driving home the next day after. He had come to town, and I was like, I can no longer get too high or too low about a draft pick in any sport. I think it was after, like, working at TAM and always meeting these guys the day they were drafted, whether it be the Cavs or Browns. Yeah. And every time I would meet these guys, from Kyrie Irving, you know, you, you name them for the Browns for six, seven, eight years. That You know, you meet them the next day, and you know this. And suddenly I couldn't judge them as athletes anymore, and I would look at all of them. I'd be like, man, they're little kids. They're, they're yeah. so young. You know, like, and, and Mingo was the one where I was like, he is – 215 pounds wet and has no idea, no difference from clean. Like you, and it's not his fault. And I, and I, but then I turn the radio on. I hear some guy from, you know, from Ravenna call in the Streetsboro. I think he's going to have 22 sacks and become the next Lawrence Taylor. And I'm like, this dude can't even find his bag at the airport, man. He's a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that that's um, that that is certainly something. And, and especially you look at this Browns team here. Um, you know, on offense, there's one open position. It's left tackle. That's a pretty damn important position. A 21 year old's going to be playing it more likely than not, right? That maybe right. with no true off season program, right? Maybe cold right. blind, never been to Cleveland before because I couldn't even visit this year. And here you go. It's kind of scary, right? It's very scary. We talked, <laughs> yeah, it's very scary, especially if it's a kid that's never even played left tackle. You know, yeah. like like. It's you mentioned in the last podcast something about having to back up and, and and like I'm sure everybody didn't run, you know, and write down 12 wins after you said that. But it, what you said is true, and that's how that's how you draft the right way. Chris Hubbard's not sexy; it's not fun to talk about. You don't want to think about him playing left tackle against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore in November. God, I hope that just happens, right? Um, but the good teams don't draft. I mean, look, the, the good teams draft knowing they're one player away or two players away, but they don't go into the draft thinking to themselves, we got to hit on this 10th pick if we're going to go back to the AFC Championship game, right? right. They think we're going to draft the best player available, get the best player, and if he beats out whoever we have there and he can help but elevate us to where we're going, perfect. Like, you know, like, I, I never look at the Steelers. Like, we made fun of the Steelers, and I'm not a Steelers fan, but I respect some of the things they do even when they're wrong. They aggressively stand for who they are. But, like, giving away their draft picks last – like, last offseason, or during the season, Roethlisberger gets hurt. We're all kind of like, the, the rain is over. They're done. They just lost Bell. Antonio Brown is, is a nutcase, not there anymore. Yeah. This is where you start over. And we're all thinking, because especially Browns fans, and you know who you are. I'm not pointing fingers. You know, I saw Browns fans doing victory laps. Like, they just got a jersey sent to them but in the U.S. Mail, and it wasn't even a fucking essential thing to get. And, you know, acting like they never got a jersey before. And thinking the Steelers' reign was over. And the Steelers go out and give up their first round pick and get Minka Fitzpatrick. 
You know, and everybody's like, what are you doing? And he fit perfectly. And they went out and, and for them, they would rather win with the duck and go eight and eight or seven and nine and still have the, who their team is than right around and draft some. No, it's just a difference in their approach and the belief. The, yes, the addicted to draft picks crowd hated that. Remember? Right. The Twitter yeah. meltdown of what are you doing giving up your pick? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And right. listen, to, I mean, they control Minka Fitzpatrick for three more years, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick changed their defense last year. He might change it into the future. Yes, now, yes, we will see. What happens with these quarterbacks and what happens with Ben? You know, maybe they did pass on the next quarterback, and it is a quarterback-driven league. But you're sure. right. They they showed what they are as an organization. And, and frankly, you know, the Browns and the Bengals, they, they've had their, their faults and, and their misses. And in some ways, they've been magnified by being in the division with two of the best organizations in all of sports, right? No doubt. Um, now, no doubt. let me say this about the draft, too. And, and as I praise the Ravens, we got to give the facts. Before they took Lamar Jackson two drafts ago, they took Hayden Hurst. Let's just be honest. Sure. He was their second first-round right. pick. Do you know right. also that when the same draft, the same round, that they got Marshall Yonda, who just retired, who's definitely going to Canton, mm-hmm. they took mm-hmm. Yaman Figures in that round before they took Marshall Yonda. Wow. He was a small three-receiver and punt returner. I was going to say, do you remember Yaman Figures? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a speed, speed guy. Yep. He, he was like a speed you know, guy, smaller receiver. You know why I remember you, Mount Figures? Because that was why? at the time that on NCAA football on the PlayStation that you could download and get the rosters, right? And, of course, you played yes, with the yes. Big 12 teams because every right. game was 96 to 94, 94, right? Right. And so you knew every black quarterback from Kansas State and who they threw to, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, every white, every kid in Wadsworth, Ohio, knew every black quarterback from Kansas State. <laughs> He's so right. He's like my hometown, bitch. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's you're that's right, how it went. No, but right. so that that's the whole point. Is it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You have to get lucky. Yeah. But you, that's that is where, with few exceptions, you get your foundational players, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I only brought the Fitzpatrick thing because I don't know where the Steelers draft next week. But he's better than whoever they'll get. Oh, whoever they would have drafted at that spot. Oh, a- absolutely he is. A- a- absolutely he is. Um, one thing I want to say on the draft, I'll let you ask me a couple questions before we get out of here. Okay. Um, hopefully, we'll have another podcast pre-draft. But I really don't know. Yeah. I, I, I got some other stuff. Um, all this <laughs> Tua stuff that's come out, guys. Um, yeah. So I just want to say this. You know, if it is serious, then teams face a decision because. That, that's how you get fired. And, and that's part of the reason that GMs are so angry with the NFL, what's going on with this draft, without the updated medical records and without being able to meet these guys in person, is if you draft a guy that can't play, that, that's how you get fired. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's come out and he's this, he's that, it doesn't look good here, he's going to drop past this. We don't know what's true or not. And I don't know if anybody knows what's true or not. But I would just guarantee – that at least some of this information has come from a team that wants to draft him. Mm-hmm. Preach, young son. <laughs> so glad you said that. Just keep all that as you sift through all this bullshit. And right now, if you listen to podcasts and you read tweets and you read the articles, and I and I assume you're doing two of the three, and I hope you're reading mine. Know that there's about as there are every year. We know next Thursday night there's 32 picks in the first round. But if you listen and read right now, there's 52 guys who are going in the first round. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of that 
is just people talking. Some of that is their agencies have done a great job of getting the articles in the right place at the right time. During the lockdown, they've been on radio shows and all that stuff. But some of it is just the talk that goes around and, and teams enjoy the shit out of it. Because, you know, if, if you're drafting the teens or 20s, you don't know who you're taking because you don't know who's going to be there. But right now, tonight, you, you can narrow it down to three guys. You know? Yeah, you better be able to. The good yeah. guys should be able to. Right. Well, so. I was going to ask you about all this, the tour conversation. You know, we were told a long time ago by Phil Savage that basically from the combine until the first draft pick is silly season because there's nothing but silly talk out there, right? And because of the pandemic that we're going through and just what life is, I was going to ask you, is this just easy to throw two out of the bus because of the, the issues and you can't get your doctor's hands on them and this? If you're the, let's use the Miami Dolphins as an example, right? They played really well for a young coach last year. Their talent, I here, I'll say this, and people won't agree with me, but I, I just take a different lens to football. I think Miami's pretty talented. I think they got some talent. Getting over the hump of beating New England is, 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 is just very – it's been very difficult for 20 years. Um, their roster, they got a receiver that's really good. They're, uh, that's who I think wants Tua is my, my – yeah. my, I'm thinking Miami is the team, right? Right. If Miami, if Miami drafts them, Zach, I would like to think that they don't expect him to start on September 11th or whatever the season starts. Correct. If that's the case, and you really love him the way we all think that they love him, I can't see them not walking away from next Thursday night, night not having him in their jersey. So I don't, I can't buy into all the bullshit that's out there. That's I'm just saying that's how I read the draft. I, I find I it hard to disagree with any of your read, but let me hit you with this: Miami okay. picks at five, eighteen, and twenty-six. Right? Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So be a lot more fun to draft him with 18 if you can get away with it. Well, right? how about this? How about Miami takes Simmons or Akuda at five and then with 18 and 26, because he's there, because Move teams up. are worried, trades back to nine or 10 and gets him. I would do that. I would do that. You think so you think maybe they'd be interested in the business of, of scaring teams six and seven it. and eight away? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. That's and I know the Cardinals are at eight. They're, they're not in the, in the business, but I'm just using that as an example, you know? Like, right. No, I'm glad you just. Went, I'm glad we went through the scenario the way we did. Because if you, I am them, I would try. Why not? Because I think Akuda is a top three player. I think Simmons is a top three player in most years. I'm gonna say. Can I say something that's not fair to say? And I know we may talk about this again. And you know I love him. The number one pick is really good. I don't think he's the top four or five player in the draft though. Ooh, I don't know. And I hate. And I hate saying that. I hate saying it. I'm just okay. I, did he have an unbelievable year for LSU? Is he very talented? Yes, yes, yes. I don't know if he's better than Simmons. I don't okay. know if he's better than Akuda. Well, I, I, but, but this is a I'm, this I'm is a ten year pick. This is a ten year pick, though. You know, this is yeah, a franchise yeah. changing, make your franchise relevant again pick. And I'll say this: uh, I, I do uh, have I, some. I, I, I don't want to hate the kid. I, I don't want. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I do have some concerns about what Joe Burrow's ceiling might be, but I'm going to give you two reasons why he was already. He is the slam dunk of slam dunks as the number one pick for the Bengals. One, the accuracy on the move. I mean, that's today's yeah. NFL, and he just last year. You watched the games. I mean, you saw it, right? 
I love him. I love him. I know. I don't like saying bad stuff about him. Yes. And he, his arm strength is questionable, but everything else is great. Yes. And you know what else? In so many ways, he's not Baker Mayfield. There is no right. bullshit Low. there. There is. It's his clean, squeaky leader. None of this chip on his shoulder. None of this. Well, I'm the greatest local, in the world. Bullshit. Local, right. Right. Local kid as well. He's local, just he's all the boxes for done the his work. <laughs> hey, here's what I will say. I will say this: the Bengals have to take him number one overall because, at worst, in my opinion, if I'm the scout that has to stand on the table, as they usually say, I would say at worst he can give us eight years of what we have. In the in Dalton, at worst he's Andy Dalton. Yeah, worst. and in the meantime, you put his face all over your city, all over your social exactly. media, all over everything, exactly. and you revitalize exactly. the franchise. Yes, right. And then you let him go put a million dollars in Athens, Ohio. You run stories, and he probably will. Um, I'm not see, and I like. I'm, I'm glad I'm having a conversation with you because you get where I'm at. I love Joey Burrows. I wish he was going somewhere other than Cincinnati, to be completely honest, because I want him to be really successful, and I want to kind of cheer for the kid, to be honest. Um, and, I, and the Bengals la- are a laughing stock to me, and I just hate how they run their organization. That's nowhere here nor there. I'm just saying, and this happens every year, and you said it earlier in this podcast. And the league is a quarterback-driven league. It will always. That's why the Tua conversation is important because we all know that he. Okay, let me ask you this: If Tua, who had already lost to Joey Burrow, if Tua plays all last season, he has the ankle injury, but he doesn't have his hip injury. And let's say he gets Alabama to where Alabama got to. Or maybe they played the national championship game. Is Joey Burrow still the number one overall pick? No, I mean, this tank for two of things been out there for a year and a half. Right. Since he, yeah, since his first time he grabbed the ball. So wasn't that the national championship game? Yeah. Right. Brought him in? Yeah. Semi, so, yeah, yeah, semi or the national championship game. I forget which one. Uh, yeah. Maybe the semi. And wait, let me. And the, all right. See now you got me, and I you did it. I hate you. You got me hyped for the draft, and I because I haven't paid it. Like, how about the quarterback from Oklahoma? I don't think he can really throw. And then I, you know, earlier this week I started hearing, you know, maybe Jalen can do it. Maybe Jalen. And I'm like, he's a really good athlete, really good leader. Dad was a coach in high school. I, I, I mean, it took two to move him out. He only took his team to back-to-back national championship games. Um. Bill Belichick wouldn't fuck around and draft him in the second or third round, would he? Well, he doesn't have a two. Uh, they traded it for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, that don't now, mean nothing with Bill. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the guy makes more trades than anybody specifically in the draft. You know, right. I watched him at the Senior Bowl, and I don't mm-hmm. think he can throw either. But we yeah. know this is a copycat league. We know what's working. And we know defenses are, you know, so many times – you know what? The running quarterback doesn't work in the NFL for years and years and years because the defenses guys can run to, right? Right. But if you can throw a little bit and you can challenge people a certain way, if your coordinator is willing to innovate, you can keep defenses on their heels. I mean, it's so structured, right? It's so know, right. knowing your assignments and all of that stuff. So I don't know. Um, top fifty for Jalen Hurts seems a little think, rich and- for me. But I agree. But remember what you told me. It's a quarterback driven league. Yeah. Kid never fucking loses. Yeah. I mean, that, I, like, I mean, these are conversations I hope people understand. These are conversations that really are had in draft rooms. Like, there is going to be someone in someone's draft room that's going to stand up for Jalen Hurts and say, he doesn't lose. He's a leader. He's a winner. Look how he handled the Alabama situation. We can you and if you have a good defense already, let's say you have an offense that lack, that you need like four players, you know, or, or you're, you're a Baltimore like team. Well, you know you can run the football. You build an offensive line that can run the football. 
It's easier to find tight ends. You never here like this is a wide receiver strong draft. Do you know the scariest position for me to draft? In my opinion, is wide receivers. I will be completely honest with you. Nine times, not nine times, it looks like. But you, there's so much throwing to the football nowadays. And maybe this is being a part, being around the Browns organization when Braylon Edwards is the number one pick. I just always feel like wide receivers, Zach, on the first two days are toss-ups. It really depends on the offense they're going to put in. You never know if they're going to be mature enough to step into the offense or how long that's going to take. Wide receiver to me is a, a weird position to draft really early in the draft. So I go back to I, if, if, if I want Jalen Hurts, and I don't, but I'm just saying. I can build an offense that can run the football. We use play action. We use tight ends, and we got a good defense. I'm going to stand on the table and say, I want that guy to be our leader and winner. How do you go back against that top 50? Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I just, you know, it comes down to accuracy. And I think accuracy is why Tua was so well-regarded for so long. It's what made Baker the number one pick just two years ago. I I just don't know that. Put it this way, and it's different circumstances, even different teams, but the last two years in the semifinal, um, Alabama was clearly better than Oklahoma. Kyler was fucking awesome in that game, and he Mm -hmm. looked like the number Mm -hmm. one pick, right? This year, LSU was clearly better than Oklahoma and steamrolled them. At no point in that game did I say, boy, Jalen Hurts is going to rescue someone's franchise. Great point. Great point. <laughs> and well, is, that, that, that's we one knew. game. You know, that's that's one thing. Uh, but. but but I'll give you something off of that. It's the same thing I'm still saying, and, and a lot of the pundits say about Baltimore's quarterback. You get a lead on them early, they're, they're done. They can't throw them back into the game. Remember, that's, that's one of the things we hold yeah. against, the MVP of the NFL. So the, Baker Mayfield was talking that shit about him earlier this, in this past season when they were in Baltimore. I, they have his, him saying running off the field, we know if we get up big, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. If we get up big early, they're going to be in trouble. Those are Baker Mayfield's words. That's how we all feel about the MVP of the league. So what you're saying is right. When I watched it, when I watched Jalen this year at Oklahoma, I mean, he played well, put up unbelievable numbers, stacked right up against the last two guys that were there. But I never thought if they get down that, that they have a chance to get back in the game. Right. Um, I got to get out of here in a couple minutes. So in case we don't talk again, you know, I think the Browns do have a decision on their hands should Isaiah Simmons slip. I don't think they would trade up for him. I think more than likely they're taking a left tackle. Um, The latest rumor is that Denver wants to come from 15 to 10, trade with the Browns to to be in position to get that first receiver. That makes a lot of sense. And and although I think the Browns would be comfortable going down, adding assets, um, however it may be, if you get behind Tampa at 14, you know they're taking a tackle. So – that yeah. kind of exposes it too. We'll see. Um, read to the athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe free for 90 days. We got a crap ton of draft content out there already. There will be more. And in addition to all the Brown stuff, you get Dane Brugler's whole draft guide, his whole mock draft, Bob McGinn series on all with all the scouts talking to every player. If you're into this stuff, um, this is the right time to jump on board. You won't be disappointed. You know, I think Dre, I think it's real simple. I think you, Get your left tackle if you're the Browns, and then you add to that defense. I don't know in any particular yeah. order. You know, I think they need a starting free safety and a starting linebacker, but you always need pass rushers. You always need corners. I think you just take really good defensive players, um, you know, guys that you want to be around, guys that love football, and you let them grow. I mean, you have to take into account this year the rookies are going to be coming in blind to an extent and maybe to a yeah. large extent. So you draft guys that, that you think two, three years from now can really be difference makers. Uh, and so you t- get away from certain positions 
uh, you know, with certain limitations. And you get those guys in there, and then hopefully, you know, for once, your coach and your front office and your quarterback and your coordinators and your schemes can all grow together. And you see, I mean, why why do the Ravens and Steelers draft so well in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round? Because they know what they want. They know exactly the right. type of player that fits their culture, their scheme, their their strengths and weaknesses because they don't change every single year, right? So they know that. So um, we'll see. I think the Browns well, are interesting, and I think you know there's enough talent on hand that they could be good. But we'll see. We'll see what the next steps are. No doubt. Two things. Somebody tweeted me, or someone asked me. They're like, "Where the fuck does Zach have to go 50 minutes into the podcast during the quarantine?" That was my question there. <laughs> the other one is, I would say, <laughs> the other one that I would throw out there is this. Um, I've kind of mentioned to you this off the pod, but I'll say it on the pod. This is like the weirdest Browns draft for me. Like, and, and look, shit. 2020 itself is weird and fucked up. Um, but I just feel like this isn't our Super Bowl. Like, usually the draft, and maybe it's because you got a quarterback. Maybe it's because I, I just feel like it's the most unsexy build up to a Browns draft we've had in a long time. And that, to me, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, you know, I think you hit on I, I just, I'm very calm when it comes to what the Browns should do. I think we all know they need a tackle. I love tackle. I don't like I don't like immediately taking care of that position, but at the same time, and I this is gonna be the whammy of whammies. I trust Andrew Barry enough that he will have somebody competent at left tackle the first time a game matters. Um I kinda like in a draft where you don't have to sell your soul on one player. And I feel like the Browns don't have to sell their soul on one individual player. And that's a good way to be in the draft. I think that's a good. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think, and that's a that's a good parting thought. Shouts to you guys. First of all, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us in this time, and all the time. Shouts to Scene to the Honeymoon Grill and to American Fireworks. And my closing thought is this: I was not going to let Andre talk about the Browns uniforms because he'd only get himself in trouble. So I'm going to say this: <laughs> They did well. At least they look like the Browns again. We'll talk to you soon. Konnichiwa, family game night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good shit. All right, man. I'll get this out. I'll, I'll see.